0: today on the silicon valley after show we have lori the tyrannical ceo and her rogue uber hailing robot plus we have two very special guests so stay tuned
1: you're tuning into the destination for tv super fan discussion after buzz tv and now let the buzz begin
2: in <laughs> china This is a dab, right? That's
0: what they do?
3: I'm not going to validate your dab. (laughs) Ladies
0: and gentlemen, welcome to Silicon Valley After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. Today we're covering Season 5, Episode 6, Emotional Artificial Intelligence. And I'm going to start with our two very special guests. Guys, we have Rachel Rosenblum and Chris Aquiana, who played Becky and Danny on the show. Thank you for being here, guys. Uh, for those of you guys watching live, you can see that they play the curmudgeon-y Optimoji and sliceline employees who eventually integrate into the culture of Pied Piper. Um, but you guys are on set almost every day. you're in the, in- or you're in the I was going to say incubator, but it's no longer an incubator. True. So um, thank you for being here, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, the thing I want to start with is by introducing myself, guys. My name is Jeff. If you want to find me online, you can do so, at Jeffrey C. Graham. But of course, I'm not alone. I also have Christian Blatt. Hi. And, and Nate Miller. And we are going to talk about this episode of Silicon Valley, which again was Season 5, Episode 6. What was everyone's overall thoughts on this episode? Let's start with you, Nate.
3: Uh, it was good. I liked it a lot. I liked that we got some actual plot progression, it mm-hmm. felt like, and the things were moving. Um, it was cool to kind of get a payoff of the Jin Yang stuff to see that it's actually leading towards something. And I thought it was a really nice misdirect, too, because I didn't expect there to now be this third faction to deal with i thought that he was just gonna gobble them up and we're just gonna get another gavin throwing a wrench
4: at pied piper story agreed uh first of all that my thought is wherever we have this point in the season it's episode six i'm always like oh no really already Because now we're already more than halfway through the season, and before you know it, we'll be uh, counting the days of next season. But I thought this was a good one. This uh, was—I thought that this was a good uh, Dinesh Guilfoyle episode, and really, it was mostly a good Guilfoyle episode because uh, Dinesh going around with his two hundred bad jokes uh, was—I don't know—it's probably my favorite uh, takeaway from the episode.
0: It was wonderful. I want to ask you guys, having shot it, what was it like actually seeing it cut together?
1: It was really cool. I mean. It's you go from table read to then the rewrites and then you end up on set and you never actually know. And we do it so many different times, you never know what it's actually gonna look like. Mm-hmm. But the, like with pacing and just like the the shots that they chose, it was so cool to see it as a cohesive show.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like suddenly all the jokes, you know, you're doing you're doing them, you know, piecemeal, yeah, and so so many different versions of them sort of finally have it, yeah, all combined. It's great. Great, um, and also to see all the parts that like we like we weren't there for, and see what that looks like too. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's of course our overall thoughts in this episode, guys. We've got a lot to cover today. We will be breaking down this episode topically, and I do want to start with this Guilfoyle Dinesh subplot because you two factored in there mostly. But we also have some Silicon Valley in real life, as well as our special interview with our guests. So let's start by talking about Guilfoyle and Dinesh. This was classic guilfoyle and dinesh um and i for me it might have been my favorite there's always one kind of subplot of silicon valley that's just a pretty joke intensive subplot and i thought this worked very very well how did you guys feel about this
4: Nate's uh, nodding his head for people listening on, on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> my He's sort excellent of swaying audio
3: hosting skills. So
4: you're yes. saying that uh, you didn't love it? I don't know. I mean,
3: I, there were parts of it that I thought was funny. I liked that there was a payoff eventually. Because I just thought it was really weird that Gilfoy was just like letting it happen. Yeah. Obviously, that was part of the plan. It just felt really weird. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I liked I liked the the final reveal in the end that uh-huh. it, that in it wasn't even them that was being played it was it, it was the the rest of them that were playing them out of frustration also it's like a in, game
4: inside a game in the moment as I'm watching it I thought that he just wasn't giving him any satisfaction and and that seemed consistent with Gilfoyle yeah. so I, I felt fine with it and then of course then there's the you know 200 jokes and actually my my question for our guests. Were there lots and lots of alternate jokes that uh, that you went through and you you sat through? I mean, and do you remember even one of them?
1: Um, yes, there were a lot of jokes. Yeah. No, I remember. That's I all do right. not remember. <laughs> that I figured. I
4: figured not. <laughs> it's just halfway through that question, I was like, oh, maybe they remember.
2: Yeah, it's like I'm trying to think. I'm sure there were a lot more like bad puns. You know, like <laughs> no. that was. Uh, I remember many, many takes of the Mistake House. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I did like the Mistake House. There were a
1: lot of cringe worthy ones that were just like, how not PC can they go with <laughs> this? Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, before you bang the gong. Yeah. The, 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 the racist uh, joke that sexually uh,
0: demeaning. Sexually demeaning <laughs> racist yeah. joke. Yeah, I am. Um, I sort of did expect like at least one dick joke because it feels like it's not an episode of Silicon Valley unless there's like one just great dick joke. Even if it's a small one, it's like it seems like it's canon for the show.
4: Yes, there's sometimes small dicks on the show. Yes, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's true. Oh, I I just heard it, um, but <laughs> I did. Um, I I actually really really enjoyed this subplot. I've i been complaining all season that we haven't gotten enough Dinesh and they haven't used Kumail enough. And like I thought this was a great usage of Kumail's charming ability to embarrass himself. Like, I thought, like, this was, like, quintessential Dinesh.
3: Yeah, that uh, him practicing the Toy Story line in front of the elevator is, like, Keith Dinesh. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. That's definitely the most redeeming quality out of that little subplot. Um,
0: I sort of want to ask you guys, just kind of about set, um, like, how long did both this episode and then maybe your whole timeline on the show look like? I mean, Um. I... We auditioned in the middle of
2: October October. Okay. Yeah. And then um,
1: my first day was the beginning of November, but you started. And, yeah, I'm, I'm
2: in that background of that first episode at, at Slice Line, which was really fun. Um, and that was the last day of October, I think last week. Wow. Um, and we were there pretty consistently a few days.
0: Yeah, a few for days every a week. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Up I'm, until like the beginning of March, was it? Mhm. Yeah. I mean, like, every time they're shooting at Pied Piper, you guys are there, yeah. so... Yeah,
2: yeah, it's like, our world is Pied Piper, like, we yeah. would get to hang out, like, it, it felt like coming to, it was so weird to, like, come to work, and it's this desk, <laughs> like, that I had my desk, I uh-huh. had, like, my dog, uh... There every day. It was I great.
4: love it. <laughs> well, are you, you guys- actually sorry? Are you yeah. actually connected to the internet while you're there, so you can do stuff, or you're just there like right. acting the whole time? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just
2: acting. Oh, I I always joked. I wish that they. Uh that the typewriters were actually connected to something to yeah. see what everybody's, like, fake typing.
4: Right. Yeah, my understanding is that when when they did The Office, that all those uh, actors actually were connected because so they, they wanted it to look like they were working. So I was just wondering if, if that was the case for you guys. Sorry, Jeff. No, you're kidding.
0: fine. I was going to ask, so this episode is actually directed by Matt Ross, who, for those of you guys who may or may not know, plays Gavin Belson on the show. Um, he released a movie last year called Captain Fantastic oh, that I love. So, so good. good. So good. So I want to know what it was like to be directed by him.
1: He was the he best. Was awesome. Yeah. I think it's just different when you're working with a director who also acts, like, he's able to kind of just put himself in our shoes and be like, Sorry, this is taking a while, guys, like blah blah blah. I don't know. It was yeah. he was just such he brought a human touch to the experience being uh-huh. like, I know what it's like to be in your shoes and he wanted us to play and like even I'm weird such a small part in this office and in a lot of the big comedic scenes, but I remember after one take, he was like, or bef- when we were rehearsing a scene, he'd be like, "So where are you going after this?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's such a like a gift to an actor." Yeah. And I'd be like, "I'm gonna go stress eat in the kitchen," and he's like, "Great, I love that." And <laughs> just getting that validation of like, "You're playing a part in this, and we want to see what your point of view is in this." It's like, it was really really great.
2: Yeah, yeah. Down to the elevator. Who are you bringing coffee for? Did you guys? offer to do it did somebody like all those little things that yeah there's it was so great and also just to hear him directing uh the leads like to hear him directing kumail and being like hey i see you're thinking this Dread, I, I love that what if we have this be your you know how you're feeling today cool um yeah. just felt
1: like we were playing with yeah. like, with an equal you know
0: yeah i love that yeah well yeah because you guys both have significant moments in this episode like you have that last button, really, of the subplot. When the, the thing I loved was, I think you guys were making choices that very much highlighted all of the pettiness is happening at the upper management level. Yeah. And you guys are just employees who want to get your shit done. Yeah. And I feel like, is that kind of what you guys were going for?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think that, I mean, I made the choice and I think it was written into to just kind of be over all their antics all the time. And even the choice of being like, oh, this inception of another level of we're playing this joke on you guys who are trying to play a joke on each other. Uh, originally, it was like, I bet the other engineers... The, originally, it was written, I bet the other other engineers blah, 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 but they rewrote it in the last second to be like, just say you told the other engineers this. So like, you're not really invested in this game. You're just kind of like we need to get back to work, you guys. Right. So just little, little moments like that. We're just, it's, it kind of elevated our, our need to actually get work done, which was foil to them. Just being like assholes to each other. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, We have this just such a lovely, like story that, that we're always serving, which is usually like to make the guys uncomfortable (laughs) or to like prove that Like, look, we're not here for you people. We're here to do the work. Um, Which is just yeah, just like just such a consistent point of view for both of us to have. Whether we're saying one line, whether we're in the background, just like making a look. Yeah. Um,
1: And I think as young actors, like this is the biggest job that we've ever gotten. So coming on set with those nerves and being like, oh, it's your job to play relaxed and over it. It was was very calming. And also to have each other on set was
0: really helpful. Yeah, it was a big gift. I love that. Well, and I think I'd be curious to know, like, being on set every day, like, anything that might surprise us about the way the set runs, or is it, like, looks bigger in real life or something like that?
2: You know, I... uh, As you can see when you're watching the show, is, like, I think what consistently surprised me is all the details. Mm -hmm. Like, the first day when I walked into Slice Line... And you can see it when you, if you like, you know, pause it. I was like, I had to like point out to my friends, who were like, look at this, look at this. Like all of the details that they're putting into something that's like for one scene or mm-hmm. one shot, you know, like they had a sign that was like the slice line Wi-Fi on that, in the background of that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like all of those tiny, tiny details that are in there that it's like, it really felt like, like a real, real. space, even though we're in a sound stage. Yeah. does yeah. Like,
0: is it shoot? Is it Sony? Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, I I really enjoyed this subplot, I thought you guys did a great job with it. And it's been thanks. really fun to see sort of, I think you guys in some ways are the audience surrogate, and also really like representative of the entire employee base in, the, in Pied Piper. Yeah. So it's been fun to watch you guys work. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Do we get to see any more of you guys? Uh-oh. Oops. Sips tea <laughs> for those listening and not watching live. We're crossing our fingers, but I know HBO is like really makes you guys lock it down, so... We will be crossing our fingers when we will to see. To that
4: end, you guys were talking about seeing scenes that you weren't in, do you get whole scripts or do you just get uh scenes that you're in? I yeah, was wondering if, if it was that level if it was like Westworld level secrets. Oh, no. Oh.
1: We got we got the whole script. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and got to be at, uh I was not going to be at a few few of the table where yeah. like and so there'd be things that I think I just like hope that they kept it. My favorite line last night was when um Laurie says like and then I ate uh, two egg whites and, and a, green bean. a green bean and I felt good again <laughs> and at the table rate, I was like dying and just being like please keep that line yes, <laughs> my favorite so, so that good. was really nice to
0: see absolutely for those of you guys watching you can see that there's a photo of me by a real slice line pizza box because yes. our guests very graciously brought us actually hot pizza properly branded with the slice line logo So they're wonderful actors and they're wonderful people. Um, We are going to move on and actually talk about Laurie now, unless there's anything else we have with this Guilfoyle, Dinesh. But please hop in as you see because I know you guys are also fans of the show. I love Laurie Bream. It's no secret. I talk about that a lot on the show. And this was kind of a very Laurie-centric episode. Um, The very first thing we see is a moment of weakness from Laurie, which might be the only time and probably will be the only time we ever see that. What did you guys think seeing a vulnerable version of Suzanne Cryer on this show?
4: The interesting thing is the first time I ever, and that's the parallel they were making, it's the first time that I ever thought she had anything in common with Richard was uh-huh. the fact that you know, she threw up her work. You know, uh, and obviously, if there's anything that he's able to help comfort people, it's like, oh, I do this all the time. Let me, you know, help you through that. Uh, and the the little like quick throwaway joke that uh, Fiona's clothes actually uh, fit Lori, I thought was very funny. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's just sort of interesting that uh, so much of the episode is really motivated because of that one moment of weakness. You know, because Richard goes in there to be so tough, and then he's like. Oh no no! I'm gonna I'm gonna be a person and you know kind to a, a fellow human and look where it got him, you know. Yeah. So uh, I I thought, uh, but yeah, you know that we're all fans of uh, Lori here, and that's the best thing about the show is you don't realize from last week's. Preview, you didn't know, like, oh, we're gonna get a lot of Lori this week, mm-hmm. you know. So, this is really the first episode where we got a lot of her. So, I, I thought it was great. I also liked how Monica was rearranging the office because yeah. you know, smoking, was for a day. And yeah. Day. Yeah. smoking, the the smoking, smoking, playing hip hop. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Um, I wondered if maybe Lori Bream was just manipulating Richard if it was all part of her master plan. Did that cross you guys' mind at all?
3: I mean, I would be happy if that was the case because yeah. I was actually really disappointed. It like it served the story, you know, but it it seemed really out of character in yeah. my opinion for her to even make that decision to be the CEO, especially with her not really knowing what comes with that. It doesn't seem like a char- uh, a choice that her character would make. Mm-hmm. Um but she does make it and I think the her, applying her ethics to that company and what happens. And of course, when they are tearing the robot apart, like there's not a lot of characters that you would get that same, uh, payoff with uh, yeah. that, you know, she's going to be fine. Cut to ripping the face off. <laughs> and Laurie's just like, yeah, we need to overnight those. Like, so in that part, it made a lot of sense. I'm like, all right, now I know why they used her for that. It, it progressed the story, but just that initial decision, I was like, really? She's vomiting because she can't handle being a CEO? Like, she, she funded the entire company as a VC. Like, they're worth way more much money over there at Bream Hall. It, I, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I kind of I hear you, and like I thought it would have been really interesting if there was like a payoff where she did have like vomiting pills in her desk or something, and like it, it all was this master or like plan. Like she had a
3: flu or something, yeah. or like there was some outside reason for her to be faltering for some point in time, and then she regains her composure later, as we see. Right? Like, oh, I didn't get my eggs or something. The green like bean. That. Right. What yeah. she, it. I
4: don't know that she thinks <laughs> enough oh, of bean. Richard yeah. to actively manipulate him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think she thinks she needs to. Right. You know, I yeah. think nope. she's just like you know, and. An, in that moment, he's like, all right, well, he's going to help me. And then, of course, oh, I don't need those credits. So, of course, I sold them, you know, which I thought was
0: great. <laughs> the thing I liked about this was I thought it was maybe a commentary on how it is difficult to be a CEO. Like, I thought it was maybe kind of the writers throwing Richard and Olive Branch a little bit, of being like, you know, as much as we give Richard crap for not fulfilling his responsibilities as a leader, like, it is harder than maybe sometimes we or the show give it credit. So maybe that's what I thought I was, like, kind of trying to do. But, yeah, I was... And I I will say it was interesting to see another side of Laurie because two things. One, um, even watching her play Vulnerable was still in the most calculated way, which I thought was like a very funny writing and acting choice there. And I just want to quickly acknowledge the robot thing, that the robot clothes fit. I sort of like that, like, of course the robot's clothes would fit Lori Breen. <laughs> like I just make, it's too perfect. Did you guys get a chance to interact with Suzanne at all during shooting? Or probably not, right? No,
1: no not really. Just at the table no, reads. Yeah. yeah but definitely. even just yeah, from yeah. like getting those were cold reads. We didn't get the scripts before. And seeing her just knock it out of the park. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah.
0: I, I bet.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I love I love that but I I love that Lori Like, her vulnerability, at least, like, almost, like, surprises Lori. She's, like, feeling it. Like, it's, like, a shock. She's like, this is a shock to me, too, that I'm experiencing this. And then is able to kind of quickly, like, wipe the slate back to usual self.
0: That's such a sharp observation. (laughs) That's so true. Um, So the the big twist here is that, of course, Fiona um, gets hijacked, but then returns to Richard via an Uber. (laughs) This if I'm I just want to make sure I read this episode right. That Fiona hailed her own Uber, right? Yes.
4: Okay, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure no one else was she involved. Had, she had she she clearly had a credit card. She, I think it's explained. Yeah, you know, the guy the Uber driver's like. Hey, the credit card worked, so what do we you know? This is not the, and I, my favorite was when he's like, this isn't the weirdest thing I've seen. i like, well, I want to know what was. That is a good tease for our Silicon Valley in real life um, segment. We I'm going covering... to pretend I knew that was a good tease it's for great. Silicon Valley in real life. It's a brilliant co-panelist yeah. over welcome.
0: here. We are going to be talking about crazy Uber stories in a little bit, so make sure you stay tuned. Um, but this was awesome. I thought like the idea, seeing Fiona become more and more human and Lori become less and less human throughout the episode <laughs> was a very, very funny juxtaposition to me. And the most, the best part of all of this was, of course, Fiona's new best friend, Jared slash Donald Dunn. How did you guys feel about this, the Jared Fiona connection?
4: You know, from last week, And when we saw, you know, Big Head was asking her multiplication, I was like, oh, okay, so I guess uh, Big Head and her are going to hit it off. And then so I was pleasantly surprised that it was Jared. And then when he's like, you know, Richard's like, you've been talking for 12 hours. And it's like, yeah, of course he was. You know, he's finally found somebody that he can actually connect with on a human level. And of course it's a robot. (laughs) So uh, I thought I thought that was great. I love that. uh,
3: Big head gets the gets in the room with her, and he's like, "Oh, let me ask her this multiplication problem, <laughs> this super advanced yeah. AI what can I do let me? oh oh, how do I check it? Let me ask this AI that's already on my phone,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say they've used Big head very sparingly, much to my dismay this season, but they have used him very well, I think
4: yeah, it just took a while for him to to get into the mix, but uh, I'm always glad when we get to see him,
0: yeah, I'm hoping we'll get at least one like solid subplot with him as a major cog because. They're again using him efficiently, and the jokes they're using him for are great. But I just can't get enough of Josh Brenner. So
3: this is another episode, though that, or I should say, another character in this episode that I'm, I'm, I'm not clear on the on the decision making of how we got Jared. That is, you know, so clingy to Richard, and then he promotes him to COO, and now all of a sudden he's like um, emotionally moved on. I feel like there's some scene that we didn't see, or like something that was leading to that because to me it came like out of the blue
0: i read it as like jared had to force himself to abstain emotionally because he's like now that i've got this new job and these responsibilities i'm making a conscious choice which is why he brings in the assistant mm-hmm. was like kind of how
4: i read that because he's forcing himself to uh be detached exactly the
3: 30 year old assistant
0: who
4: who's <laughs> has a law degree yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Mini, mini jared
0: yes mini jared did <laughs> you guys interact with him at all, or? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. We should shout out that actor's name. I should have it written down, but...
2: Oh, Aaron, Aaron Sanders.
0: Aaron Sanders. Yeah. Great. Yeah. A nice, nice performance from him. Good to see.
4: Well, you know, and, and Nate, if you're wondering if there was a scene that maybe we didn't see, if only there were people who might have read the original script somewhere that you could ask them if there was a scene <laughs> that uh, was missing, maybe they can't say, but uh, do you remember anything else that would have uh, set up this clinginess for Jared that maybe didn't uh, make it into the final episode?
1: No.
4: And if you did remember, you. would you be able to say?
1: <laughs> Probably <I don't>. not. <laughs> okay,
4: that's fair. <laughs> We're
1: the best guests, you guys. We're <laughs> giving you all the tea. You are. No, you are. <laughs>
0: don't discredit. Uh, you brought it. pizza, so honestly, <laughs> if you could have
4: just sat there and been right like, oh, I don't remember. Were well, we there that day? We're uh, <laughs> like, yeah, but they brought pizza, but the so pizza pizza you're my up. favorite <laughs> guest. Yeah.
2: I think the way that I saw it Uh, And even, yeah, in the episode, it's like that he has taken on this new assistant Holden. And he's like, I bestow the feelings I have (laughs) for Richard upon you. And now uh, you shall do this. Um, But then still kind of. Not quite being able to be like, don't give him the tea, water (laughs) That tone that he takes with him, like,
3: water it down. Yes. Oh, (laughs) my God. Come on, you idiot. I
1: love this episode for Jared. I was like, I've been waiting for an episode that gives him this this opportunity to really let out. Also,
3: I don't know if it's because I've been watching Westworld and I'm thinking about all these theories and looking super deep, but I feel like the references to his... Male prostitute past are getting more and more frequent, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially this episode. He says it a couple like I think he references it twice. Yeah, so I don't know if that's leading towards somewhere or
4: I hope not. I, 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 I just wanted to leave the crumbs throughout he, the course. Well, of the he talked he, 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 talk, really he talks about
3: like how. I forget exactly what the quote is, but he says something about, like, not being the same person he was. Well, that one, too. But later, he says, like, that he he can't go back to being the person he used to be or something like that. I don't remember what the line is exactly.
0: Well, is it in reference to his conversation with Fiona? Yeah. Okay, I think I might have it. (laughs) It may or may not have been, I told her that I was afraid of being found out as a fraud, and Fiona told me that she was afraid of magnets. That one. (laughs)
3: That's (laughs) that's the quote that I wrote for the episode. Well, (laughs) because the joke is she's afraid of magnets because she's a computer. But that... This hidden little subtle line of like, I'm a, What is he a fraud about? Is yeah. he does he not really know about tech? Is he is it that his name is Donald and not really Jared, or is it like that he went in witsec after he? Narked on some pimp or something. I don't know. I'm well, just saying, there's a lot with Jared
0: slinging oxy and avoiding tricks there. on the corner. You know, there's a lot. <laughs> he wasn't that...
3: slinging oxy; he was taking oxy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because you don't want to catch feelings when you're turning.
2: <laughs> He's available, not emotionally. That's right. <laughs> um.
0: So, of course, the very last, to me, like really concretely laugh out loud moment was when they're talking about Fiona's gonna be okay, and then we have this smash cut to Lori just ripping her face off.
3: Yeah. I want to give a shout-out to the Foley team. They knocked it out of the park. The sounds... Oh. Not sounds that would have be, would be made, but it still add the popping and the... Like,
4: Oh, The drill oh. going into her eye, I thought, was particular. <laughs> Pulling the, 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 the jaw the, out. The cutaway to Jared at that moment was perfect, yeah. The
3: face in the trash can, looking up at him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, They've man. done a good job with this Fiona. I think... If you would have told me on paper we were going to have two episodes where a robot plays a significant role, I'd be like a little worried about gimmicky writing, Or but they've really milked this Fiona subplot for all they can. I don't think she's gone either. We'll get into it with predictions, but I think her spirit lives in the server, and that's probably not a good
4: thing. I don't know. I think that's the plot of uh, Age of Ultron, what you just mapped out there. The well, Avengers movie,
0: it's so. also the plot of, what was that Johnny Depp movie, where his brain Stop. is also a computer? Transcendence. Stop. <laughs> you, <laughs> Wally Fister? Have you seen it? Do you no. just not
4: like Johnny Depp? Is that what it comes down to? Let's
3: not talk about this movie. Wow.
0: Oh, man. Okay. I don't like
3: poorly crafted sci-fi stories. Fair enough. There Fair
0: enough. Um, okay, so I, is there anything else that we need to cover with Laurie slash Fiona slash Richard slash Jared?
4: I don't think so. I think. Oh, uh... uh, well, he did get the title uh, B. The title B. The, the from funding. Lori,
0: whatever, whatever oh, that... Oh, yes. series B funding. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. the term sheet. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting to Important. see where that plays. Um, so we were talking to you guys before we went there. You guys are Emerson grads.
2: I am.
4: Just Rachel.
0: Rachel's an Emerson grad. Do you guys know who else is an Emerson
4: grad? Uh, Juliet in the booth. Juliet in the She's booth. Oh, my. Bonjour. Bonjour. And, and
3: no, you that was I was gonna say Julie.
0: Oh, McCoy. I
4: was going But you know, like what, like 25% of the people after Buzz. 25% <laughs> of the people
0: after Buzz, including our amazing founder marie Manunos. And guys, I have a question for you. Do you want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life? If you do, have we got the podcast for you? Conversations with marie Manunos podcast edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz tv founder and drops every friday on itunes conversations with maria meninos features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of your life from health and wellness to career relationships finances and more let our maria be the big sister you've always wanted just go to itunes and subscribe to conversations with maria meninos for free that's right it's free and be sure you rate comment and when you do let maria know it was your silicon valley panel who sent you there Conversations with Marie Manunos podcast edition. Check it out. Love the show. Love the founder. Love the school. Check that out, guys. That's Conversations with Marie Manunos. All right. Finally, as always, we wrap it up with Gavin, who's not in the States this episode. He is in the manufacturing plant where we've been before. Mm -hmm. We've seen this manufacturing plant before. Um, How did you guys feel overall about... The first thing we see is Gavin kind of disappointed to see that China is incorporating more ethical labor practices into their <laughs> manufacturing. How did this play for you guys overall? I,
4: I thought it was great because uh, my favorite, from this storyline, my favorite line is you know when the kids are singing to him, and he's just like, <laughs> you know, they don't look that busy.
3: I, I love when he's, he's talking about how they've improved the factory and he's like, we have had zero suicides. <laughs> and the first thing he says is like, oh, there's got to be a middle ground. Yeah.
4: He's, <laughs> so, like, he's like, not even one? <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this you was
3: can good. Afford to lose a few workers.
0: The one small gripe I have with the subplot is the way Gavin meets Jin Yang, which is just by hitting him.
4: On well, not hitting him, hitting somebody that works for Pied Piper. And so then he, I
0: just there, I think there could have been maybe a less is it Deuce ex machina? Is that like the J's word Deus ex
4: machina? But you were very close. I think
0: like there could have been a less that type of convention for us to get there. But I mean, at the same time, it, it was funny yeah.
3: yeah i mean the coincidence of him finding out about the cease and desist at literally seconds l- later f- running into pie piper actually yeah um is a little bit much but it's it's feasible i, I talked mean, that up as to like you gotta cut stuff for
4: time yeah i was gonna say gonna for be... a half hour comedy i'm all right when you kind of make those jumps and, and it, it moved along really well and yeah. it gave us the Follow that Chinese man. Follow that Chinese man (laughs) on the bicycle. And then, you know, finally, the driver only responds when he says, the Chinese man on the bicycle wearing the the green Pied Piper shirt. Oh, Oh.
3: I'm not a fan of that joke. Uh, That joke should have been cut.
4: Uh, Because it was too funny? (laughs) No, that was great. It's not funny. How is that not funny? There's millions of Chinese men on bikes. That's I hear, funny to me. I hear Maybe of the
3: guy that you just hit with your car—like, how would he not know which one he's talking about? <laughs> he clearly didn't. Maybe it was lost in translation. Lime green shirt.
0: There's been—they've towed the line in an interesting way with a lot of, I think, Chinese-based humor in a way that I think critics have disagreed with. You know, I feel like this is how millennials always discuss these things is you say it might be problematic. And then that way you're at least acknowledging it. But you can also just put it on a shelf. Yeah. <laughs> that,
4: that's what happens when you're an old man like me. You don't see how it, you should worry about if it's problematic yeah. when the show is funny and yeah. that it's utilized. Like Jin Yang in and of himself, you could definitely say, you know, oh, should he talk like that? I don't know. But it's funny that he does. Right. So uh, I don't know. I, I personally don't see any problems with that. I, look, I've I've been to China. I'm just gonna say there were a lot of people on bikes, people. and they didn't. Yes, there were a lot of Chinese people there, <laughs> and they were on bikes. They didn't look like me. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. I don't yeah. have a. I don't think that's
3: problematic. I, it's a timing thing for me. The timing, the time it takes to get the joke out, the response from the driver, the look on his face, the like. Triple take. It's for for me personally. It's not. That's that's the fu- the not funny part. Mm, okay. I get the premise of the joke. I get. I think that part is funny because there are a lot of Chinese people riding bikes in China. That right. is a thing. Uh It's it was. If the there's China one
4: takeaway from this show. It should be that I don't mean Silicon <laughs> Valley. I mean our show. Know, yeah, there are a lot of Chinese people. Big riding s- bikes.
3: cycling population. Yeah.
4: Yes. What did you have, Rachel? You're about to
2: say. Oh, I just it was like I thought of that joke as like gavin i love i love every time we've seen gavin out of Mm Huli, right because he's always not aware of one other thing right and so for him to be like follow the man on the bike (laughs) oh we're in china like yeah okay that was like i can
3: crack track with that that yeah yeah, because he's in his gavin bubble and he's usually surrounded by people that just say yes to whatever he says
2: yeah so just to get him out of his own okay but if it's not your jam, I can truck
4: that. There's some characters that I think it makes sense when they say things like that. Like when Gilfoyle yes. says what he says about Dinesh, you know, it's like another character. You'd be like, whoa! But it's just sort of like their relationship. You feel okay with it, I mm-hmm. think. And just yeah, Gavin is, you know, he's not just another. It's like he's on another planet for right. Gavin to be there. So,
0: um, well, the thing I did like about this was I felt like the Jin Yang Gavin interactions were treated with kind of a serious hand
3: compared to how this show usually... It's like the darkest tone scenes <laughs> yeah. we ever had. Which partly owes... It's time. like watching sure. Barry. It's was it was like, like watching like... Barry, yeah. <laughs> Which partly
0: owes to Matt Ross's direction, I'm sure. And if you've seen his other stuff, it's definitely got... It's, a dr- it's dramatic comedy, you know? He's not just an all slapstick director. So I kind of enjoyed seeing Jimmy O. Yang sort of play a different version of Jin Yang that we've seen. And it would make sense that we see this because he's really in the country he grew up in. How did you guys feel about sort of not only Gavin and Jin Yang interaction, interacting, but sort of like tonally how it was handled?
3: I thought it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a nice. I mean, you could tell there was some seriousness in, involved in it, while there was still able to get a couple jokes in. So I appreciated that. Um, but it, it was nice to have the two of them in a room together and like playing off each other, not in the way that you would expect if they ran into each other, especially not from a position of Jin Yang having power.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: When he when he tells them, like I'm not gonna sell to you until I know why you want to buy from me. Good day. Like right. it's like.
4: What? yeah the the yeah. great moment in that interaction is when Jin yang is like you're gavin belson and he's like oh you do know me he's like yeah i'm smart but that of course goes back to the earlier moment when he's like do you know who i am and he says no and like hoover's, hoover's like about like, to oh. deck him. yeah you know? and like that was just like a great it's like such a quick moment but that was one of my laugh out loud moments is that hoover's like how dare you also yeah.
3: like how quickly he goes to stop hoover because he knows that yeah. that's <laughs> hoover's reaction yeah
4: that's true yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so the, eventually, we learn, as you alluded to at the top, that there's now a third faction playing in the decentralized internet game. Which I should know this character's name, but I don't
4: know if. It's oh, really the ma- guy who
0: runs the factory. The
4: guy who runs the factory. Yeah, I wish I wish I uh, had taken a note on that. But uh, let
0: us know in the comments, guys. Um, but this was this was an this is an interesting turn. I'm, I'm glad we're adding another kind of um, spike into just the growing conflict of who's really going to run run this industry, so... I thought this was cool.
3: Yeah, I like... I like... Yeah, I like that that it seemed like it was going one way and it went a different way, and I I definitely was not expecting Jin Yang's stealing Pied Piper plot to interact with Gavin Belson, so that was a nice surprise, but I I think this is the deus ex machina, this idea that, like, for some reason, he's able to make this thing work that doesn't work, and they haven't really explained it to us, and that, to me, is kind of frustrating, because that's kind of the whole cornerstone on it, it being even a threat. So maybe it turns out it doesn't work and they just thought it worked or right. something and that's why it ends up failing and Pipe Piper is okay in the end, at which point I would be kind of okay with. But if it does work, why? Why does, if Gavin Belson, who is this big super genius, and he says, oh, that shouldn't work, and he goes, but it does. Like, that's it? That's all we get?
0: Well, we have our prediction segment coming up. So we will have some thoughts about all that. Uh, before predictions, we do have Silicon Valley in real life. Does anyone else have anything besides this episode in terms of coverage that we should hit before we move on to our next segment? Any thoughts from the couch? Awesome. Okay, so we are going to move into our Silicon Valley in real life segment. This is the part of the show where I read you three stories, and one of them is a lie. And you guys have to guess. These are true stories.
4: So two are true. Two.
0: One's a lie. <laughs> That's a better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're all true.
2: They're,
0: yeah. So based That's on. That's the lie. That they're <laughs> all true. <laughs> uh, I kind of did that last week, unfortunately. But
4: Oh, yeah, you did. That's I trolled true. a little well, bit on, on accident.
0: Um, so because this episode featured a strange Uber encounter with Fiona hailing her own cab, I'm going to read you three strange Uber stories. And one of them is not true. And you guys have to guess which one. The first one is that Uber's algorithm inadvertently took advantage of a public transit gridlock in Sydney, owing to a hostage crisis situation in 2014, by surging its prices times four. In the moment, a rep from Uber claimed that the surge was incentivizing drivers to get on their apps to help pick up hostages in the area. That's one of our stories. The second one is that last year, a New Yorker took a 40-hour, 2,300-mile Uber from New York to LA, and the driver banked over two grand for his services. And the third story is this. In 2015, a Mexican drug cartel called Finanzas used Uber vehicles as a way to traffic Coke from Tijuana to San Diego. The reason they could do this is because Border Patrol agents were prevented from committing thorough searches owing to the red tape associated with surrogate border crossings because they were in an Uber. Those are the three
3: stories. The second one's true. Second I, one's untrue. Second one.
4: Second
0: one. Yeah, second. second.
4: I, 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 I would be different for the sake of the conversation being more interesting, but I, I feel it's the second one. Yeah. I feel
1: like two grand is low.
3: I know.
0: It yeah. would be yeah. way more than that. So, it's actually the third story that's not oh. true. Whoa! We all got burned. Yeah. yeah there, I, I don't think... I made this up, so I don't think Uber has used... Their services for any kind of drug pushing. Um, and, yeah, last year, you can watch it on YouTube, there was a 40-hour, 2300-mile Uber. It was only 2000 for the ride, but the driver did tip and offer to pay for gas. So I think, in total, it was more. But the Uber itself... Was just over two k for the trip. Did
1: they say why? Why did he take an
0: Uber across? The you, it's like he's a YouTuber and yeah. like wanted uh, to like, can. Yeah. How far can he go? How far exactly? He wanted to set the world record. And I they guess that makes
3: it. sense because I'm. I don't think you can take an Uber out of country.
0: Yeah, you probably can't. I don't know. So that was the false story. Damn and that you, means Jeff's I scam. win this week. <laughs> All right, so you didn't have
3: to cheat this week. Either. I didn't
0: have to cheat. I kind of cheated last week, but I think this week was a legit. Never forget. Yes. Um, okay, so I want to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for coming yeah, in. Yeah. So you guys, the fun thing that I learned before we went on air was that you two sort of knew each other before we before shooting on set.
1: Yeah, Rachel and I went to the same acting studio, so okay. we show up on set and I was like, "Thank yes. God." We have someone in the trenches with us.
2: Yeah, especially because, you know, coming in on season five, it's like really coming into so many other people's home, Mm -hmm. you know, and so to have a buddy is like such a gift. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you guys know much about the show before shooting?
2: Uh, I mean, I watched the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd watched it here and there. I'm going to get killed right now. Uh, (laughs) I'd watched it here and there, and then I'd auditioned for the show quite a few times before, so I familiarized myself with it, and then... When I was told that I was like in the running for this part, I like binged all the yeah. seasons. It's yeah, so watchable. And, like, it's very bingeable. It's so succinct and funny and quick. Um, and then yeah, it was like a crazy education right before walking on set and be like, "This is your job now."
0: Absolutely. You, yeah, it was
1: yeah. crazy.
2: Yeah, and I'm same boat. Same yeah. boat. I like <laughs> I hadn't watched the whole thing. You yeah. know, I wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, my like, can I mention? How my audition was a cold. Yeah, it was a cold read. I actually went in for a smaller part. Oh, cool. Um, for one of for some of those coders that were like, at the raising their hands at the beginning with Gavin in episode one. Mm. And uh, and while I was there, they were like, "Hey, can you read for this?" And I was like, uh, "Yes." do you always say. And for, I like I think the biggest gift was that I'd illegally parked my car. So I was like, "Yeah, can I move my car really quick?" And she was like, "Yeah, take all your time you need." And I was like, "Cool, cool, cool, cool." So I. <laughs> As I was, like, nervously, I was more concerned about the car than this, like, stack of pages I just got. Yeah. Um, that I, like, took the time to just read it out loud, um, which was, like, which was such a gift, because normally, if, in, normally in an audition study if you get something new, you, you're ten- I feel like it's very often people's tendency to just, like, huddle with the pages. Yeah. And, like, but, um, yeah, and I, I think the show, I love the pace of the show and that it, it is so quippy, but also that... You get to take your time, mm-hmm. and watching the guys do that was like so awesome. Yeah, cool. yeah, I sure. love that.
1: And like, yeah, I had a similar experience with. I went in and read for a different character, and I knew the casting director. She's like, "Can you just stay and read a couple of these other characters?" And then I was there for like an hour and a half, exhausted. I lived on in Echo Park at the time, and we were auditioning in Santa Monica. It was like five p.m., and I was like getting like traffic anxiety before even having to get back into my car (laughs) and it kind of alleviated the whole situation i was like you know what oh i'm reading uh i know this guy i can do this cool so yeah it was great
0: um so what's next for you guys
1: uh Uh, i mean we're auditioning for stuff right now
2: yeah yeah i'm uh just did a sketch and a stand-up special for netflix Awesome. Not mine. (laughs) Yeah, I was excited for stuff. Good for you. No, no. And uh, yeah,
0: keeping busy. Yeah, I love it. And then just one question I have for our actors who listen, because we do have a large contingent of actors who listen. What are some choices? How should you approach like a guest star audition? Because you guys were talking, it's a fine line because you don't want to overwhelm the casting directors. Because your job as a guest star is to serve the regulars. So, Mm -hmm. how do what do you how do you guys feel like you approach these auditions? And what do you think got you these roles?
1: I, hmm. uh, I think, a lot of it is just kind of knowing what you're strong at, and I think a lot of what we learned at our, the acting studio that we we go to, John Rosenfeld, uh, is breaking down the copy and being like, okay, where, where, where is this joke set up? Like, what is the? How can I serve the story in this moment? Um, and kind of realizing that it's never about you you mm-hmm. know and that yeah. alleviates a lot of the stress of being like okay you are you're serving the story by being this person to the lead character presenting this kind of obstacle which i think served us a lot on set i've yeah. been like oh, it is our job to present obstacles to these people who are our bosses and mm-hmm. kind of set them up to like shoot it in the basket that's is that a sports term? That
0: yeah, yeah.
2: It's like to, to really, the actors speak it. The difference between a, a guest star and a co star, which were technically still co stars, uh, is like the guest stars are those people that have those full arcs. You know, um, I'm trying to think of examples within so, an episode. Yeah, yeah like, like Neil.
1: A, I think Neil Casey. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Colin of K Hole, right? Mm-hmm. He's had like, he kind of has a full story. Will he or won't he? Um, but for us as co stars, it's kind of. It's really taught me what a co-star does in a in a much clearer way. Of, hmm. Yeah, we're totally serving a story. Great. It's my job to make Dinesh feel stupid. You know, like that's great. Then that's that's what I'm doing, Which and then I cool. can fill it in. You know. Yeah. With our own stories, and it's
1: and... been kind of amazing to be these characters who were there, but just peripherally, mm-hmm. because it. I mean, if I if we were like big guest stars, it's very possible to like oh, we're never going to work with you guys again, you know, in the, in the story. But being these characters that are kind of always there, we we were never guaranteed a, a number of episodes. Yeah. So we were in the middle of shooting, and they'd be like, can you come back for the next one? Can you come yes. back for the next one? And then seeing that... Like, my, the scene with the salad in the last episode, I was like, oh, you guys get me, you know? <laughs> like, you've written this for my sensibility of just ignoring Dinesh. And
2: Chris ate a lot of
1: lettuce. I ate a lot of spinach that <laughs> nice. day. I love it. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I, if people want to connect with you online and pick your brain more about Silicon Valley, what's the best place to reach you guys? I'm on Instagram. Instagram. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Just Rach, Rose, and Bloom, right? Rach, Yeah. yeah. And Chris Aquilino. Chris Aquilina. Okay, yeah. well, guys, we can't thank you enough for coming in here today. Yeah. Yeah, thanks thanks
2: so for having us. having us.
0: And for the rest
3: of us, Nate Miller, what else do you got? Uh, you can catch me in an hour. I'll be hosting uh, Inventory Full on Twitch. We'll be talking about games and news. Uh, and you can find me on a bunch of other shows here at After Buzz and on all social media, dog look, Nate.
4: I understood some of those words. And <laughs> you can find me... Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ Twitter and Instagram, and uh, tonight in just a few short hours, I'll be doing Marvel TV weekly, and we're going to talk about uh, the Avengers: Infinity War. And I guess, Nate, you're going to be joining us. Yes, we just made that deal right beforehand. Just That's right not now. a TV show. Yeah, but uh, we talk about movies too. Whose because... side are you on? Yeah, what really. Like... It's just Marvel hey, TV news. Marvel, what are you, Thanos? Huh? Marvel movie news. They talk about the TV shows. So you see, oh, everybody fair, comes in. And I spent oh, a lot of time researching this. The CEO at the Chinese factory. His name is Yao, Y-A-O. It took me 10 minutes to find Y-A-O. But anyway, Like
0: Ming. Yeah. And guys, my name's Jeff. If you want to find me online, you can do that on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. On Fridays, I host a show called The Unproduced Table Read, where we read award-winning scripts that haven't been made yet with professional actors. This Friday, we're reading a biopic about Oprah. Um, about this legal case that she got embroiled with in the 90s about mad cow disease. And
4: And she had to go do her show from Houston for She did. It's a really
0: interesting script. At
4: that table, unproduced table read, you know what? You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. We all get a car. We all
0: get cars. And with that, we'll see you next week, guys, here on the Silicon Valley After Show. See you next week.